Well, good day to you. It's Joel with the King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. The, the best teachers in life that I've found are rock bottoms, empty pockets, and broken hearts. So it's it's one of those three are, are bound to come to force some reflection and change. And you will continue to repeat that cycle over and over until you learn the lessons. What's up, fam? It is your boy, JJ. And boy, do we have an absolute... I mean, I have to say, I know I say it like every week, a banger of an episode. Uh, I worked out with Andrew this morning right before the episode. We were going hard on back squat, my legs. I'm filming this introduction, I think three days later, and my legs still hurt. Like, he used to be a CrossFit gym owner for five years, and he put me through the ringer, and I loved every second of it. So you guys be sure to check out Andrew F. Carter on all of his channels. I hope you guys really enjoy this. We didn't get to his backstory in this episode, but it is back and forth through challenges and adversity, including going to jail. These are just parts of his testimony that he's very open and transparent about. So I really hope this episode blesses you guys as much as it did beside me. I mean, there was multiple moments where we were just sitting there looking at each other like, dang, that was that was really good. What you just said was really, really wise. So I'm going to rewatch, re-listen to it with you guys. I'm super excited. Have the best weekend. And thank you guys for listening to the Heart of Dating podcast. Main Sodes, let's go. All right, what's up, fam? Andrew, my man, how are you? I'm doing great. How are those legs feeling? My legs feel uh, immaculate. Oh, yeah? Yeah, filled with blood, ready to go. So you like tomorrow, you're not going to be hobbling about. That was light work for you? I'm going to be playing basketball tomorrow. Dude, that's actually wild. yeah. So would you do that workout that we just did and go play basketball right after? It was actually scheduled for tomorrow when I play basketball. So I just kind of switched today. But yeah, absolutely. So like when you're on the court, do you like feel it at all? Like, are you? No, no, not whatsoever. So that was like half of your workout. I mean, I, I could be playing basketball. You would right do now. like yeah. another hour after that. Uh, hour and a half to two. Yeah. Now, are you are you the guy that everyone has to calm down? You know, like you're you're getting a little maybe too intense when the no, game's getting close. No, I think fouls and absolutely not. Okay. I'm I'm even killed. Uh, I probably could go a little bit harder from time to time. But my thing is, is I don't want to get hurt. Yeah. I'm like, I'm here just for some cardio and exercise. If somebody beats me, I'm not going to like try to foul them or take them out. <laughs> okay. I'm just like, get your layup, bro. Like get yeah, your yeah, money. Yeah. yeah have now. Fun. Okay. Trust tree. Be honest. Were you ever that guy or since you played in college, Whenever you go, you play at what lifetime or uh, LA, fitness. LA fitness, LA fitness, okay. uh, different leagues. And, and no, it just wasn't, that wasn't ever, ever me. Okay. Um, Cause I realized in open gym, everybody's got to go to work the next day. So like me fouling or going super hard and hurting somebody yeah. at open gym, like I, I, nah, it's not that serious. Are, th- are there a couple of those guys there? Oh, there's a ton of guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I elbowed in the back of the head yesterday. You can't see, but I've got scratches on my arm. No, I see it. You Actually, see that's him. crazy. Yeah, What's that big, from? That's from somebody fouling me. <laughs> that's that's from that guy that you're talking about. No going way. Too hard. Yeah, yeah. You're like, dude, yeah. clip your, t- uh, clip your nails, your nails man. Stop reaching. Crazy. Yeah. That's wild. And are you playing a uh, power forward down low? Yeah. I'm playing a little more of a shooting guard, small forward. Uh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, so, when you play down low at open gym, all they do is foul you. You yeah. don't get free throws. They don't get fouls counted against them. So why am I going to post up? Can just... you can you shoot? Is that oh, what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. 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 I led okay. I led my team, I think my sophomore year in three point percentage, I believe. I was up there top three for sure. Okay. So who's your player comp? I would say old school Robert Ory. 
I don't know. Okay. Okay. Lakers, <laughs> Lakers <laughs> Robert dynasty, Horry, okay. Robert Horry. Uh, they call him Big Shot Bob. Okay. Top of the key three. He's, so he could play a little down low, get dirty, yeah, but shoot yeah. as well. And he could shoot that rock. Well, is there any modern day player? Uh, <laughs> not really. Lamarca Aldridge was that the Spurs player? Yeah, like he I, could shoot. He and also play -range like, he was great. Yeah. Do you know Zach uh, Zach Randolph? Yes. Zebo. Yes. So, dude, I'm a Grizzlies fan. Okay, so I'm more of like a, a Zebo guy. Yeah, like Zebo kind of slow, you yes. know, but you know, could shoot. Amazing jump shot. Yeah. The fadeaway yeah. jumper. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got to see mid range. This now. You know, mid range can shoot the three if you yes. need to. Can play down low. Have some swagger too. Oh, all that. Yeah. I love it. I, well, I now want to see you ball. Yeah, yeah. I'm not very good. I'm like one of those classic white guys who just plays good defense. Okay. You know. Do you foul a lot? <laughs> no. <laughs> Are you the guy who's trying no, too hard? <laughs> no, 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 no. But you know, like confessions, man. Like you're a competitive guy. I saw you trying to keep up with me. No, <laughs> other way around this morning. I was still trying to keep up with you. You did great. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm not looking for the compliment, but I do appreciate it. You did it. great. Yeah. Um, but no, growing out of that competitive nature, mm -hmm. right? And I, like I told you that uh, this morning, great quote. The second I heard it, it hit me like a lightning bolt. Pride by nature is competitive. Mm. And, you know, and we're always comparing ourselves as men, especially to mm -hmm. someone greater or less than yeah. to, to fill that ego. Mm -hmm. uh, that's actually from uh, Tim Keller. Okay. Uh, the spirit of self forgetfulness. Okay. His little book. It's like tiny. So yeah. for guys like me and you, it's great, yeah. you know, yeah. cause oh, we yeah. don't have to read too much. Right. <laughs> but, um, okay. But background on you. Mm -hmm. You want me to read it or you got your elevator pitch down? No, you read it. You okay. Read it. Yeah, yeah. I'll hype you up. Uh, not too much. Okay. Andrew's a beast. <laughs> not just in the weight room, but like I talked to you a couple months ago to book this and I didn't even, uh, wasn't even looking for it. And you're like, yeah, man, I'm up at 4 a.m., 4.30 a.m. What time? 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Every day? Every day. Except maybe you sleep until 5. Yeah, yeah. On a nice on day some on the of weekend. Those, on, on those Saturdays, I, I might sleep on, until yeah. 5. And then we'll just walk me through your morning routine real quick. Yeah, so for the first hour and a half of my day, I spend, uh, I read 10 pages from two different books. Um, I do my own personal devotions, which is a chapter from the Old Testament, usually a Psalm or Proverb, and then a chapter from the New Testament. I'm working my way through Acts right now, just chronological order. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I prepare for a Bible study that takes place at 530, which are two chapters from the Old Testament. Which you do on your, your YouTube live. I do that on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn, <laughs> and Facebook live simultaneously. That's, that's a lot of, do you have five phones up or how do you? Uh, I, I run StreamYard. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's every morning? Uh, right now it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay. I do it three times a week, but there was a season that I did, uh, seven days a week. I did it 372 days in a row. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll do 4am till what time are you wrapping up everything? Bible study related, the Bible study shouldn't, and uh, sharing. Yeah. The Bible study shouldn't go longer than six 30. So usually okay. two and a half hours or so. Okay. So four to six 30, mm -hmm. you are doing nothing whether it's for yourself or leading as of just enduring, eating, distributing God's word. Yeah. Yeah. I guess if you look at it that way. Right. No, no it's yeah. amazing. That's two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. By the time people wake up, you've already had two and a half hours in God's word. And then you'll go to the gym mm -hmm. for an hour, hour and a half, Crush legs, yeah. get that monster chest. Yeah. What's your bench press at right now? Uh, maximum right yeah. now? I could hit 325. Okay. One yeah. rep? One rep, yeah. Okay. What's your best lift right now? Uh, not that that's not good. Like best <laughs> in life for bench press or best lift period? Best lift right now. Like if, if I had to test you. I would um, say I, I could deadlift 500 pounds. I would say that that's probably where. Okay. Not sumo. Are. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no. I don't, I don't even know how to do sumo. That, that, I had a sumo guy at my gym the other day, and I was just trying not to make fun of him internally. I was See, like, the Christ in me won't allow. I, I, I accept that there's grace there, <laughs> yeah. and I'm just praying for them that they come over to the <laughs> yeah. I got made fun of one time for doing sumo, never and I never went back to it again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I love that. And when you told me about your morning routine, I was like in a place where I was like trying to prioritize God's word. Mm -hmm. And my workout routine, I'm like, dude, that without even challenging me directly, hearing that challenge me indirectly, I was like, if I can get up to prioritize my body, which if we're being honest and we're not careful, that's for me and my ego sometimes more than it is to actually steward God's temple, mm -hmm. 
you know, and, yeah. and feed myself. So it was like, I can rewind that clock 45 minutes, even earlier to get up for my soul. Come on. Which eternally, right? Yeah. If you view those two things, your body and your soul from an eternal perspective, it's comparing right gold to the vapor and dust of the wind before us. Um, so I love that. That's good. Do you find that happen a lot when you share your story and just like your disciplines and your habits of life, like guys are just indirectly challenged or I think so. I mean, uh, we talked, we talked about it a little bit is that challenging aspect is as iron sharpens iron. So one man sharpens another and it doesn't have to be me sharing a Bible verse with you. It could be the way that I live my life. So Mm -hmm. when you come into contact with greatness, and I'm not talking about me being great, but when I come into contact with other men who are great, it challenges me indirectly. It makes me want to be more articulate or more, uh, uh, you know, devoted or disciplined when it comes to reading, um, Actually, the the discipline of reading 10 pages a book, uh, 10 pages a day of a book comes from somebody who indirectly shared that with me. Yes. And so what I did, I was like, well, I'm going to read 10 pages from two different books, right? Like <laughs> right, right. I'm going to challenge you can do up. 10 from one. I could do 10 from two. Well, dude, you tell me, like, I feel like as a man, the second I am around men who are doing something greater than I am, like I run into a husband who's a way better husband than me, yeah. who is just like killing himself daily and serving on his wife. Mm-hmm. I, when I'm around that guy, yeah. I either am like, dang, yeah, like I got to level up and be like that. 100%. Or in my flesh, I'm like, yeah, but that's different, mm-hmm. right? That guy is a people, ple- that guy, like I write some kind of excuse. Oh, of course you're a pastor, mm-hmm. right? Like, of course right. you got to get up that kind of discipline, wow. that kind of life. Mm-hmm that's not, you know, for me. Wow. You feel like you ever, wow. Like I feel like mentally I either accept that challenge or I'll find an excuse to, to make up Wow. how that's not for me. That's interesting. I don't, I, I can't pinpoint because you just kind of opened my eyes to the fact that we might diminish other people's accomplishments based on our limitations. Right. Like, wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I would have to now take that information and then be watchful. Yeah. Um, I'm sure because I'm human that there's probably times that I do that, but none that I can actually pinpoint. That's yes. a good awareness. Well, I mean, there's probably a few guys that you're challenged by because not only, so you're a lead pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Royal City Church. Yep. You guys just bumped up to two services a month. Yeah. I love it. So you guys are growing. You started it in COVID. Yeah. 2021. I love it. And mm-hmm. so you guys are two years now. Yeah. Sustaining slow build. Mm-hmm. And then you also used to be a owner of a gym. Yeah. CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I love it. Six years. I wish I could have gotten to see you do some Olympic lifting this morning. Oh yeah. Next time we'll get you cleaning. We won't do jerk. We'll need, we'll need uh, a lot of time to warm up. Okay. I love it. (laughs) And then, um, then you wrote a book with three other books too, which I saw on your Amazon page. Yeah. I've written a few books. So you got four. Uh, yeah. So privilege of prayer. Yeah. That's your number one book right now. Yeah. And I was asking you about it because I love to read. I just didn't get that one mm-hmm. beforehand, but this is great. Yeah. So, but what you said was it's not necessarily just a strict guide mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily strict testimony. It's kind of a hybrid of both. Yeah. Yeah. And do you feel like that's kind of a, a new book for people to read? That's not very common or? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that it's a book who, who that's written for individuals who might have experienced church hurt or have been disenfranchised or discarded by the church. Mm -hmm. So I share some of my story of how I gave my life to Jesus, but the people in the church weren't really accepting of me. Mm. Um, And so I kind of just unload a little bit of my story, but then also some real practical and applicable uh, habits and skills that will help, uh, you know, increase your, your prayer life. Did you feel like an outcast when you were like a new Christian? A hundred percent. Sometimes I still do. I still do feel like an outcast in the church. Why is that? Uh, because the route in which um, I came to be a pastor isn't a traditional route. So I didn't go through a seminary. I didn't get sent by a ascending church. My wife and I had a word and we planted independently. And so um, because we went this untraditional route, sometimes it feels like we're looked at as less than or not as important or, um, you know, if, if we did something wrong. Yeah. Wait, so you didn't go to Dallas Baptist or ICU? I did not. And you started a church? I did. I didn't know that was legal. Yeah, me either. <laughs> Apparently it's illegal. You're not supposed to you do know, that. Well, I mean, the apostles, they all went to SEU and seminary yeah, you know, before they started GCU, their- Yeah, yeah. Liberty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love it. That's amazing, man. Yeah. And uh, so it's been a couple of years and you guys feel like you're called to LA, which is what we were talking about, right? Yeah. We are called to Inglewood, California, like yeah. specifically, not Culver City or even Hawthorne, like Inglewood. I right love there. it. Yeah. Yeah. We were just there uh, going to SoFi okay. the other day. Yeah. But have you seen Inglewood starting to transform from the Inglewood that we heard from the 80s yeah and 90s Inglewood's up to no good yeah era. Yeah. yeah so our, our church i think is a good representation of what it's changing to so our our church is so diverse and multicultural i mean we have asians and african-americans whites hispanic like it is i like to say it's exactly what heaven's going to look like yeah and so uh that is a representation of the shift and change in the community because largely the community has been primarily african-american and hispanic right and so you see an influx with the the Clippers are coming to town. They yeah, open, they open this beautiful year. Beautiful um, venue going up. What else do we got? I know that I think we're hosting an All Star game, another Super Bowl. We've got a World Soccer Cup, and we've got the Olympics. Yeah, all before twenty twenty eight. Yeah, coming to Inglewood. And so, so crazy. You see that diversity and that influx uh, of new people coming in. Yes. And it's representative. Just absolute melting pot. Dude, yeah. All all incomes. Everybody. All yeah. all cultures. Yeah. So I would imagine you look out at the congregation with I don't want to say pride, but just like joy and celebration yeah. of like this yeah. is so ubiquitous. Mm -hmm. like I'm getting goosebumps thinking. Yeah, about it. yeah, same man. Yeah, I just, I same. I just, I, I could cry just thinking about what an awesome snapshot of heaven, mm -hmm. right? And you just hear the way how Jesus talked. Mm -hmm. In one room, he's got beggars, and then the next he has a rich young ruler, and the next he has a centurion guard. It's just all classes, all backgrounds. Yeah. Man, I, I actually want to come up. I can't believe I haven't come up to visit yet. Yeah. We got church this Sunday, but and you have a baby on the way. <laughs> we do. Baby girl. Baby girl. So um, are you nerve-sided? How are you feeling? Nerve-sided is the best word I've heard in the entire nine months because sometimes it feels like anxiousness or yes. even fear, but it's not because it's positive. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited. I'm nervous. I'm nervous to, to raise a kid in this climate in these times. Uh, I, I, the last time I raised a kid was 14 years ago. I, I've got a 14 year old is my youngest son. And so to raise a kid now in this season of life is so different. Right. And so it's, it's exciting. Totally. But I mean, it, it, it's kind of amazing how much culture has accelerated in 14 years. Oh yeah. Like I feel like the jump from maybe 96 to 2010, Mm -hmm. is big, but at 2010 to 2024, like we've seen exponential acceleration right, right in culture of church mm -hmm. and secular culture. Yeah, I think part of that is kind of exciting though, because I feel like we do live in maybe the, what I would say is the authenticity age mm -hmm. where it has maybe become an idol and you have like this production of authenticity that's for authenticity's sake. <laughs> so it's not really that authentic. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I mean, speaking of authenticity, I have been following you now for a little while. And I, I just want to say like man to man, I've really appreciated how you and there's other guy leaders, Josh Broom, I think of, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, you guys do lead in that authenticity and vulnerability yeah. for one goal, right? Which is showing people Christ in your life. Yeah. Was it always that way for you? Or is that something that you had to kind of grow in, in your journey? And as you started telling your testimony and you started leading people? I would say that as I started telling my testimony, I, it was always pointing to Jesus because I stood on Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, right? okay. by the power of his blood and, uh, and by the witness of our testimony, right? Uh, and so everything that has happened in my life or, or whatnot is only because of him. So it all points to him. The transparency and the honesty, I think I just got tired of uh, people being fake. I got tired of people um, just kind of sugarcoating things. And I, I craved that authenticity. I craved realness. I was tired of being things being shallow or superficial. Yes. Like I wanted to go deep. Yes. So I thought the best way to do so is to lead by example. So when I'm real and open, it creates an atmosphere and environment for other people to do the same. Amen. I mean, we say vulnerability begets vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Like vulnerability leads to vulnerability. Now, you know, we had a great episode last week with Will Chung, yeah. our boy, also yeah. with Art yeah. Churches. Yeah. L amazing episode. Yeah. But one of his great things that he was talking about was he's had a guy group of community that they live with each other and met every single week for seven years. Wow. And they still meet. Mm -hmm. 
that there's vulnerability in sharing your story. Mm-hmm. Now there's also vulnerability and intimacy with building friendship with other guys. Right. Do you feel like that also came with you or is that something that you had to be really intentional with in your journey? I had to be really intentional yeah. about it. I'm somewhat of a, an independent guy. I'm not because of my past, I'm not easily trusting. I don't trust people well. I don't um, I don't do a good job of letting my walls down. Yes. And so I had to be really, really intentional about creating groups of guys. So like today, actually, uh, not to timestamp this, but uh, Tuesdays are dudes days. So that's what we call it. We have a men's group tonight. So every Tuesday we gather together and, uh, we, we meet on zoom men around the world and it's really based on authenticity and transparency. And we've been doing that for three years now. Okay. But you kind of had to grow into that. Like, Hey, I don't want to just have Mm -hmm. another men's group where, you know, it's kind of like that iceberg uh, we talked about it last week with Will in a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Oh, I got that. It's on, it's on my queue. I've got it at home. Dude, you're going to read the book and cry because of the things you see and how we were raised in the church and mm. taught about emotion. Um, but it talks about an iceberg. Okay. And he says the, the saddest part about Christianity in the church is you see 20% of the top of the iceberg. And then there's that 80% of the depth of your soul that mm. your church, your Christian life, your practices and your habits never touch. Wow. And I'm like, man, walk me through what it looked like to to build that men's group with the ultimate goal of like, hey, we don't want this to just be like buddy, buddy, see you mm-hmm. once a week, but we want to build something special. Yeah, yeah. It starts with the leadership. It trickles from the top down. And so, like I said, if, if I'm real, then it creates that environment and atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And so when you open up these groups and we gather together, it starts with... Hey, this is what I've gone through. This is what I'm going through. These are the things that I'm wrestling with. These are the thoughts. These are the opinions. These are the struggles. And when doing that, it almost like it calms the room down and says, hey, if this guy is willing to go there, right, then this is a safe place and I can do the same thing. So you always lead with the vulnerability and transparency yes. to give everybody else permission to do the same. Totally. I mean, we've all been around that fire pit. Yeah. We've all yeah. been on that Zoom call mm-hmm. and like you have that burning thing right. that you kind of want to talk about mm-hmm. and you just hope that you're not alone, right? When you confess, uh, you know, a good set of questions I heard from JP Pokuda the other day, uh, him and a men's, their men's group, they say, you know, how did you feed your soul? Like when, mm-hmm. you know, this week, how did you feed others? Meaning how did you evangelize and share God's word? And the last one, which I think is the most challenging one as far as vulnerability goes, how did you feed your flesh? Wow. How did you feed yourself? Mm-hmm. How did you feed others? Mm-hmm. How did you feed your flesh? And I'm like, I feel like one and two can be a little bit easier to talk about, especially the fulfillment, the ego, the pat on the back that mm-hmm. comes with great job, bro. Like yeah, you yeah. woke up at four, Yeah, you share with a couple, your server, you know, wow. it's like, how'd you feed your flesh? But I feel like the same celebration you get mm-hmm. from one and two should come from number, number three. three. For sure. Great job, bro. Yeah. I love that you worked up the courage mm. and the strength to talk about that. That's good. You know, yeah. that culture. I'm writing that down. But I get you. I, yeah. I get that sense from you. Mm. Like when people are vulnerable and you create that safe space of just, I know you're, you got that evangelistic prophet, you know, Mm. coaching you, Yeah, yeah. but I don't know. You feel like you've really grown in that safe space. Like, let me just create a space for you to like talk Yeah, and I'll listen. Yeah. Did you learn that in marriage or you learned that as a pastor? That was just a, I think a a revelation from the Holy spirit. Uh, and, And me, I think a lot of it comes from being abandoned by my dad and a lot of the way that I operate is trying to be what I think that I needed when I was a kid. Trying to be what you think you needed as a kid. I needed a safe place. Yes. I needed that that positive masculine uh, energy. I needed somebody to confide in. I needed the accountability. I needed a dad. Yeah. And so for me, it's, and, and this again, God revealed this to me through prayer and devotion. That right. I need to be... Um, the change that I want to see. So I need to be that for others. So, cause you knew firsthand experience, what it looked like to go without it. Yeah. And your, your, what would you say? Like your soul, your, your heart, 
Like your emotions, like just crave that. I longed for it. Um, yeah. There was something missing, right? There's something missing. Right. Like why, why is it so taboo to speak about real issues? Why, why can't, why am I being judged for something that I think that a lot of people are struggling with? Right. Like that doesn't make sense to me. It's so good. Okay. Well, we totally went off rail and I loved it because <laughs> I, I love listening to you. You have a huge story you know, and you don't have a traditional path, which when I see that, I'm like, I crave to talk to someone like you because mm -hmm. I look at that. I'm like, man, that must have formed a lot of character, mm -hmm. like catching bullets from the church, Yeah, you know, going to jail, going back and forth, you know, from a life of, you know, in case, what would you say is the best place if people want to hear your full background and story? Was there a best place to go to if they're a little bit more hungry for it? I would go to YouTube. Okay. Um, I've done a couple segments. I did a, a Delphi testimony recently. I actually just came out yesterday. Okay. That's a good one. Um, I've done one for the 700 Club. I've I've shared it in quite a few places. Okay, so great. Go to YouTube. That's great. And I love when people do great interviews elsewhere because mm -hmm. we can just point them. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't got to go. <laughs> yeah. Because you have like, you really have a rich story mm. full of learning. You're also a husband to Kyra. Yeah. You guys work together. We do. You already were giving me some great advice this morning. Yeah. <laughs> you have three boys. Yes, I do. In Oregon. In Oregon, yeah. And then your first daughter on the way. That's right. Dude, yeah. so exciting. Yeah. Okay. And then uh, just some other highlights of background. You came out of foster care. Yeah. Would you Were you just bouncing from foster home to, to foster home? Like... No, it, it was, uh, I think I was in foster care twice, Okay, uh, maybe three times if my memory serves me correct. The longest was my sophomore year in high school. Okay. So it, it was really, I was bouncing from family member to family member. Oh, okay. uh, and then when nobody could take me, I went to foster care. Like my sophomore year was almost, it, it was the entire school year. I went in the summer and I got out in the summer. So it was almost a full year. How many houses do you think you stayed in separate houses? Oh, I couldn't for your even, childhood. I couldn't even count. So to put it into to context, uh, fifth grade. I think I went to th three or four different four different schools for fifth grade. Just in one year. In fifth grade, yeah. The longest that I ever stayed at a school was my junior and senior year. It was the first time that Two I ever years. went to a school back to back years. But but it was a different school. Fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, multiple schools. Um, yeah, that's nuts. Is it? I mean, think about it. Like. You probably lived in what, 30 different houses? Easily, easily, yeah. I, I mean, you yeah. just think about the life of a kid and mm. you know, like the foundation that we need, you know, and yeah. a kid will go through a divorce and live in two or three houses and it causes turmoil. Mm -hmm. Like 30, like, did you just feel like an orphan at that point or? I, I didn't. Uh, what I, what was crazy is that was my only reality. I had nothing to compare it to. Right. Especially so as a kid. As a kid, I I didn't understand really the the complexity or like the even the damage that was being done in the moment. Right. So in the moment, that's just your reality. And right. You go, hey, we're moving. Hey, we're not staying here. Hey, we're leaving. Grab your stuff. Put it what you can in a bag and let's go. Kind of a situation. And that was that was it. And so I don't think that I realized how detrimental it was until my sophomore year in foster care. In high school? High school. Okay. Yeah. So about 16 years old, you're like, yeah. hold up, this is not normal. Yeah. And it's actually yeah. really, really. Well, I think it was my freshman year, I ended up dropping out of school. I got, I got about three quarters of the way through. Um, there was a lot of stuff that happened my sophomore, my freshman year, but my sophomore year when I was in, uh, when I was in the foster home was the best year I've ever had in school. It was like, it was great. I thrived. I had a 4.0 in school. I was, it, I was able to get to school on time. I didn't have to worry where my food was coming from, whether or not we were going to have lights, whether or not we were going to move. And so I actually like settled into a, a routine of consistency and discipline, Right, going to school. Uh, you know, there were no like intangibles, you know, things that yeah, were going to yeah. pop up. Right. And I thrived. I killed it. Like yes. I did great. And so for me, I actually cried when my mom got out of treatment to bring me home. You know, I came home and they were like, your mom's coming to get you. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to go back. I don't wow. want to go back with my mom. I love her and I have a great relationship with my mom now. But in the moment, like I had friends, I was on the basketball team. I was going to be playing varsity the next year. Right. Like, well, you got a taste of stability. Yeah. Yeah. And like you were able to thrive, which makes total sense now. So you're, but today, so today you're lead pastor. Mm -hmm. 
you um, work with a lot of, what would you say your primary, huge audience, by the way, hmm. what would you say is like your primary age of males and females? I, I don't have one. You, it's just everybody. Man, if you come to the church, I've got little old white ladies and white men, and then I've got young black kids, and then I've got middle-aged Hispanic <laughs> families. I've got young Asians. It... It's, um, I'm, a, I'm a man of the people. <laughs> it's literally, it's like wheel of fortune. You just spin the wheel yeah, for each yeah, person yeah. and mix it all up. There's no dominant, you know, category. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I do say, I mean, we have the same thing. Like if you're kind of preaching on the same subject, you kind of gather an audience. So for example, everyone listening is single. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's probably the majority is 22 to 40 years old. Right all different ethnicities and cultures, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But you have a whole audience of, of single men listening right now. Nice. And also some single women, cause they're just so curious and they, I love that they listen to these yeah, yeah. because they want to know also what they should be looking for mm. and what they're looking for is not crazy. Right. Right. But I've noticed, I went through, did my homework. You don't have a ton of teaching on dating and relationships. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's true? Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's true. Right. Yeah. Like you're not known as like the dating pastor, no, no, adult pastor. No, I'm right? not. Uh-uh. But then there's no shame on that. Uh-uh. Right. I, we know a couple and they're great. We need right, them. Right. Um, why is that? You just feel like you have so many different backgrounds and phases of life to serve, or you just have never really doubled down. Yeah. What's, what's crazy. So this is what's crazy is I'm my, my sermon this Sunday is actually on relationships. Oh, let's so I'll, go. Be, I'll be preaching on it. Okay. But I, I have this, I have this resistance. I only share on what the Holy spirit instructs me to share. Okay. And my wife wants me to talk about relationships all the time because she knows that it's like a hot topic. Yeah. And always people is. Are, people are curious and they want to know the take. And I think that I have probably some really great relationship advice, but I haven't gotten the green light from God. So that's why there's not a whole lot on it, but I had a dream two weeks ago and it was a whole dream. I I got the whole outline out of this dream of this sermon and it was on relationships. So we might, we might be stepping into a season. This is like the kickoff. And I'm like saying, dude, interesting. I mean, it's always funny when God writes a story Mm -hmm. and we're unaware until the story starts happening. Right. And you're like, whoa, are these things falling into place? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Amen. Yeah. Hey, well, can we find that sermon? Is it going to be on YouTube? It, it or? will be. Yeah. Okay. It will be. Yeah. So we'll hyperlink it with the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, let's go. That's crazy. We'll be praying for you. Yeah. My mind's blown. I'm going to. So am I. Yeah. I'm like you. It's always fun to see you what, what God is writing in your life hmm. without you forcing it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Amen. Okay. So not to spoil your sermon this Sunday. No. Do you mind sharing what you're going to be talking about or like, can we talk relationships and dating? We can definitely talk relationships and and dating. Um, I can't tell you what it's all about because it hasn't, I'm like, I'm still in the middle of outlining and processing. Yeah. Okay. Now, if you had a room full of twenties and 30 year old guys, Mm -hmm. what do you feel like? I love that you interact, you interact with your audience virtually online more than any other person I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. which I just want to say that's awesome. Like I noticed that like you go out of your way to individually comment and respond to like everybody. That's right. It's nuts. Like that's thousands of people Mm -hmm. that you're just like saying, thank you so much. Like I see you. Yeah. So I, one, I just want to say, I really admire that. I appreciate appreciate it. But two, say you slim down your audience Mm -hmm. and you said, Hey, we're having a a dude's dude's day. Yeah. 20, 34 year old guys who are single. Mm -hmm. Everyone's invited. What do you feel like would be the number one question that you would get asked? I think they would probably ask something about pornography Mm -hmm. uh, or or masturbation um, because I see that like running rampant uh, along young men. Um, But yeah, I I think that would be it. Do you feel like virtually you get a little bit more of those vulnerable questions because the anonymous nature and it's a little bit safer to ask a guy on the internet than it is to... Yeah. I mean, I get it on the internet, but I also, I do get it in our small groups. Okay, great. In our groups, people feel comfortable enough to to talk about it. So how do you kind of teach, at least on that moment, like I'm sure the question comes up frequently online and Mm -hmm. in person, Mm -hmm. where do you feel like you and the Holy Spirit really go in those moments? You know, honestly, I, I try to steer people to people. I try to steer people 
to other people who are more qualified to answer that. Okay. Um, something I, I never dealt with issues with pornography personally. Yeah. I've seen it. I've looked at it, but that was never something that was a challenge for me. Right. Like a habitual. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because it was a norm in my house. So yeah. I, I never had to hide it. Like it was just like a part of growing up is when you're 13, you get pornography. Kind so of wild. Thing. I mean, compared to like a traditional cult, uh, Christian. Christian home. My, right. Yeah. No Christian home. So my mom actually gave me pornography magazines and allowed me to hang centerfolds on my wall. So because it wasn't a hidden thing, there was no like shame or guilt around it. Yeah. When I realized that it was a sin and in opposition of what God wanted us to do, it was something I was able to let go of because there was no secretiveness. So you're saying almost like, because you didn't have to deconstruct like this shameful yeah. hidden response, right. like half that battle or journey was already. It was already, it was never needed to be waged because it was never right. there. It's yeah. not like you were uh, having to destroy hidden idols, right? you know, throughout Israel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's crazy. It's an interesting. It's an interesting topic. And I think that it's the same when it comes to sexual immorality Okay, uh, for me. I just, I didn't have, there was no con constraints in my home. My mother was like a hippie. Yeah. So sex was on the table. It was an open topic. We could talk about it. We could, I could have it at the house. She made sure I had condoms and things like that. So it was an unorthodox non-Christian home. Right. Um, but when I came of age, it wasn't something that gripped me or something that I'm curious about. Like, Oh, what would it be like? Yeah. Because I did it. Right. So I have all of those answers. Anyway, I'm off track. No, 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 You're not off track. It's awesome. I mean, I think it's just so unique to hear that kind of background story. Now, if you, what are you typically seeing? Cause I love that we've had a few pastors on lately mm -hmm. cause you're down in the trenches with guys. So pornography for your 20, 30, 40 year old single guys, what, what are you maybe seeing as a trend that's maybe specific to 2024 hmm. this year, something that you feel like is highlighted and called for you to maybe lead by example or challenge them personally? I, I think that uh, the discipline and consistency aspect yes. is a lot of guys in their twenties and, and mid twenties are, um, they lack discipline. They lack consistency. Um, a lot of them lack follow through. Now, these are some of the most spiritual, like when it comes to spirituality, i see a hunger in this next generation. Yes. I see almost like they have, they're more spiritually in tune than I ever was at that age. Yes. Um, however, they lack some practical uh, confines and how to actually discipline it and use it. Yes. So they'll stay up till two o'clock having these prophetic meetings and prayer meetings, which I think are great, but then they're too tired to get up and go to work the next day right? and actually have like to provide for themselves. And so they're waiting to hear from God on what's the next move. And so they're running out of money, running out of places to stay. Yeah. kind of just like floating through life, waiting to hear from God when there's like a practical part of like, I think God wants you to get a job, bro. Yes. And stop staying up till two, like get some practical things in place. And I bet that you'll, you'll still hear from God. Uh, yeah. That's just one of the things. No, I mean, do you, I kind of want to double tap into it yeah. because I grew up with charismatic background, mm -hmm. high feeling, highly yeah. emotional, experiential, you know, experience, mm -hmm. which is great. I think those moments are so sacred. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, then you lose the whole arm of discipline and consistency, mm -hmm. follow through and execution that right. you might find is really great in a evangelical church. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So it's like that. Okay. How do we blend this life of, Hey, you still got to wake up and provide and cultivate. Yeah. Right. And those experiential experiences mm -hmm. are still super valuable. Right. So do you feel like you, Obviously, I think you lead by example yeah. in the most wonderful way. You feel like guys really respond well when you challenge that or you just let them figure it out on their own and let them come to you. Like, do you ever kind of step in and and get one on one and say, hey, bro, I love you. But yeah, yeah, it's a mix. But um, I, I do. I'm very intentional about doing lunches and sitting down, especially as God puts them on my heart. Yeah. So there's a lot. The thing about it is like even too because of their lack of discipline, they don't respond to text messages uh, very quickly. You know, I, I'll text somebody my age and they'll get back to me the second they see it. Yes. Hey, it'll be an hour. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't get back to you. I could text a guy in his 20 to 20, 25 year old yeah, range. Yeah, yeah. It'll be a week. And like, hey, just get into this. And it's like, I know you saw it. It Dude, said that you read it. I, I have so many guys that come to my mind yeah. that I love. Yeah. So patience, obviously, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like 
find uh, like infinite patience. Right. You almost have to like Snapchat message him or Instagram message him. <laughs> take it out. I'm serious. No, you're serious. You're I right. love my little brother. Yeah. I can't FaceTime him, call him, mm-hmm. text him. But if I Snapchat message him, mm-hmm. Instagram DM him, yeah, he sees it. Right. Like that's right. their medium of communication. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that guy though, so mm-hmm. I, like he's sitting in front of you at lunch. Mm-hmm. Is it just a matter? And I'm, there's guys here and we're all in this place in life where we got to grow yeah. from that young man, mm-hmm. like that video gaming, fun <laughs> pursuing, right. Snapchatting, Instagram, wasting hours upon hours. We take that step. Mm-hmm. And usually there's like something that comes into our life that forces us. Right. Right. But in your case, is that just not possible unless they get a responsibility that's greater than them that forces them to grow up? Or what do you see maybe in your life or the, the guys that you work with as like that catalyst? Uh, the, the best teachers in life that I've found are rock bottoms, empty pockets and broken hearts. Okay. Rock bottoms, rock bottoms, empty pockets, empty pockets and broken hearts, broken hearts. Dude, that's great. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those three are, are bound to come to force some reflection and change. And you will continue to repeat that cycle over and over until you learn the lesson. Dude, I'm telling you, I, that is nail on the head. Yeah. You, that is rock bottoms, empty pockets, yeah. broken hearts. Did you know? So this is Christian dating podcast. Mm-hmm. I'd say 90% of the guys that we work with and we love each guy that comes to us, 90% come from the wake of a heartbreak. Mm. I believe it. Like they lost someone, mm-hmm. someone broke up with them because of something that they were not doing well. And they say, okay, it's time for something to change. Right. It's time to invest. Like I'm not as good as dating as I thought I was. Mm-hmm. I'm not as good as relationship as I thought I was. Yeah. I need help. Right. But that story, mm. they got to get to a place and you and I got to get to this place too. Yeah. Yeah. I need help. Right. I need help. That's right. And so you just wait. Do you just kind of walk with them in life and love them? You, and just you walk with them, you, you love them, you encourage them, you you just do life with them. I think that's discipleship, right? Yeah. Is, is sitting with them, walking with them, leading by example and being available. Yeah. Man. So would you say for the, there's probably a couple guys listening. One, we're not stepping up to that place where we're just slapping other men, mm-hmm. right? Like hungry to lead other guys yeah. who need us to step up. Right. Uh, there was a great sermon at Mariners. Mm-hmm. Um and the lead pastor was just like, hey, if you're 40, 50, 60, 70s, and you're not leading someone right now, right, you're failing at discipleship. Yeah. And this generation needs you. 100%. And then there's probably the other guy who needs to admit that he needs help. Yeah. And seek out the discipleship. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And you feel like as a man, we're actually always in both kind of places. Like we need to be leading others. And being led. Right. And we constantly need to be saying. 100%. I need help. Yeah. Yeah. I just sat in with the pastor on Sunday night, uh, sat and watched the sermon. And then afterwards went back and, uh, him and my wife sat with him, him and his wife for about 45 minutes or so, and just allowed him to impart some wisdom and knowledge and pray for us. And so I'm constantly as a leader seeking out mentorship and, uh, new accountability partners, relationship, right? Because I understand the importance of me growing as a leader. And so in the same way, as I'm seeking it out, I make myself available for the men in my church to do the same. Right. That's, you can never be the top of that fountain. No, no. Right. And that's actually, I actually think that might be the, I look back over my years of mm. young man to man and the most stifled plateau, spiritually dry, you know, raw moments were when I was the top of the fountain. It was actually the worst place for me mm. to be. That's good. Right. Yeah. Cause I was passing on all this knowledge right. and not practicing it. Yeah. I'm like, that is probably the most hypocritical places and seasons of my life. Yeah when I was not seeking out that discipleship myself. Yeah. It reminds me of being the biggest fish in the tank too. Yeah. Is you need to be, I need to be around people who are going to challenge me and sharpen me and, you know, pull the best out of me. Like we were talking about competing. Uh-huh. I need guys who are stronger than me. I can't be the strongest guy that yeah. I'm with. I need so you got to stop who, working out with me. Yeah. I mean, that's why I worked out with you is <laughs> because you're stronger than me. Uh, I, need, I need to, I needed to work out with somebody no. uh, younger than me who's yeah, going to yeah, give yeah. me a, a run for my money. And so I get around leaders who are smarter and better communicators and have been in the, the church planting, uh, you know, or the church planting game for a longer time. Right. Decades. Yeah. 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 So amen. It's important. So staying high. And I feel like that the only word that comes to my mind is probably just humility. 
mm. the, the humility of knowing yourself, yeah, what you're yeah. incapable of, and right. then I had probably conviction. Like we have to be so desperate to reach others. Yeah, we need. I need to be led. I need to be challenged. I need to be like. There's too much at stake for me to be lazy. That's right. Right. That's there's, right. There's too many. There's too much at stake for me to to postpone and procrastinate this mission. Yeah. To not seek. You feel like your conviction and your why at the end of the day was the reason why you've been able to step up to where you are. I, I honestly just feel like uh, it's been. It, it was God's call on my life. Honestly, I just, I feel like everything that I've gone through has prepared me for this moment in this season. And so I just feel like I'm walking in what God honestly created me for. Not to be too spiritual. No, that, that, I, this is your own Christian podcast. You yeah. can be overly spiritual. I don't, yeah, but I try not to over-spiritualize things right. because some people would say, oh, it's just hard work and discipline. But no, like even in the pain, yeah. even in the hurt, even in prison and divorce and bankruptcies and all of those things, even the successes and accolades have prepared me to do exactly what it is that God's called me to do in this season. So... And does that help you, especially when you hit patches of hard challenges to oh, yeah. endure them? Because you just look in the rearview mirror. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's purpose in it. Right. Yeah. Whether it's resistance or opposition or uh, expectations that haven't been met, I understand the sovereignty of God and that even his no has goodness written all over yeah, it. Yeah. Amen. No. So if I don't, if I don't get something that I've been expecting, then God knows that it was probably going to destroy me or it was less than I deserved. Yeah. And so I'm going to continue pressing forward when there's resistance or opposition. I'm constantly looking like, okay, in the past, this has been to pull something out of me or to refine me mm. or to strengthen me or to prepare me. What is this? Well, you know, I look at opposition now as like confirmation that I'm heading in the right direction. Amen. I'm preaching right now. <laughs> Amen. I mean, Seriously, but the mindset yeah. shift, I mean, it really is that mindset shift of uh, I welcome opposition. 100%. I welcome the conflict because not is it going to only refine me. It's mm -hmm. going to make me rely on God more than I did in the past. That's right. And, uh, you know, the picture, you'll love this, the picture of James 1 where it talks about enduring the trials mm -hmm. of our faith and it, it actually exposes the faith mm -hmm. that we already have. Doesn't build new faith. It's a, yeah. it's exposing what you've been doing in the gym, mm -hmm. God's gym, right for months right. and months. But the picture is actually this. You know those like ancient uh, bodybuilding Olympics where they have the huge boulders on their back, right. where you see like the carvings and stone statues, and it's like the globe, the earth mm -hmm. on the back. Atlas, atlas, yeah, yeah. bro. So James one is actually meaning atlas. You got the world the, and that weight of trial on your back, mm -hmm. and it means you sit there and says no. I'm going to endure the pain. Wow. I'm not as much as I want to shed this thing off mm. as much as I want to cry and quit. Yeah. I'm going to embrace and endure right. because right. I know what happens. It builds a character. It builds a perseverance. It builds, mm. it builds. Is that wow. amazing? And applicable to the heartbreak. Amen. Right. Sitting in it, understanding that it's revealing what God wants to pull out of you yes. or sharpen you. Like, yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And maybe that's the first time guys are facing really vulnerable, hard emotions, mm. right? That deep rejection. Yeah. Like I, I actually think, you know, I heard Kathy Keller talking about this. She uh, was wrestling with some internal uh, digestive diseases. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, in terms of eternity, I look back and it's the greatest gift mm. because it, it forced me to grow closer to God than anything else in life. Wow. So the pain and the disease and the hurt and the heartbreak in terms of eternity, we look back and we thank God for them because they are the most wonderful gifts yeah. we ever received in life wow. to turn us closer to them. That's so good. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. So purpose and pain. That's so good. And perspective and pain. Yeah. Amen, bro. I love that. Well, okay. Uh, closing question. Mm -hmm. We'll do two of them. Okay. First one, I forgot to ask you at the front. Mm. So we'll do that one. It's a fun, would you rather? Okay. And I'm actually super curious about your answer. <laughs> the second one is parting advice. Okay. Okay. So number one, yeah. would you rather fight an ostrich to the death mm -hmm. or fight a shark? But the worst that can happen is you only lose one extremity. Oh, I'm fighting an ostrich to the death. Yeah, you yeah. are. 100%. You're taking that thing on. 
Yes, without a doubt. I'm, I don't want to be in the water with a shark and period. I don't want to lose a limb, period. I'm terrified of sharks. Are you really? Absolutely. Uh, so is this like by default, you just don't want to be with a shark or you think that you're going to take that ostrich down? Both. You're going to rip it to shreds. Both. I, I think that I can get its head in a, uh, I, I think because that long neck, I know that they're quick and whatnot. Uh-huh. I think, I think their legs aren't strong enough to take some blows, some leg kicks. Okay. Right? So leg kicking, leg kicking, weakening, and, and then a strangling like tear an ACL. Yeah. And get yeah, on the neck. Yeah. And you'll strangle it. You I think so. I think so. Bare hand. Like a headlock. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. a headlock. Yeah, I do. Okay. I do. Yeah. Dude, that would be, I uh, wouldn't you be so curious to, <sighs> to see how that goes? Yeah. I think I could, I think I could take it. Hey man, let's go. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Okay, and then parting a uh, piece of feedback or advice. If you had a room full of singles, what is the one piece of advice that you give? Uh, like mic drop, walk off. I would say before you enter into a relationship, make sure another relationship, right? You, let's say you, you've, you've been in one, but before you enter into another relationship, make sure that you are healed from the last one, you're healthy and that you're whole. Um, too many people aren't doing the proper work before they get into another relationship. Mm -hmm. And so they're taking their baggage, they're taking their hurt and their pain, they're projecting it onto other people. Right. And they're essentially setting the next relationship up for failure. They're not doing enough of the work. That heartbreak that we talked about, mm -hmm. the pain that they're experiencing, they're not sitting underneath it and they're trying to numb that pain by finding Right. Or even a new relationship. Just an escape. So get whole, get healthy, do the work, uh, get to a place where you're okay being alone with just Jesus before you get into your next relationship. Amen. So of the utmost importance. And then before I drop the mic, I would say this, um, John Eldridge, or was it John Eckhart? I think it was John Eldridge said that you can't, a man can't take a man to a place he's not willing to go or that he hasn't been before. right? And so as a leader, as a man, it's the same thing for a woman. You're not going to lead a woman, uh, that Proverbs 31 woman that yeah. all men want. right? Uh, make sure that you are being the type of leader that deserves a Proverbs 31 Amen. woman. Amen. A man of valor. Amen. Amen. Bro, thank you so much. You're welcome. That was such a great gift. Thank you so much. That was Welcome. awesome. You're welcome. All right, everyone. Well, Andrew Carter, Instagram, YouTube. Yep. Andrew type F. Carter. Andrew F. Carter, right? Because there's Carter. another Andrew Carter. There's a whole lot of them. <laughs> there's a lot of yeah, them. Yeah. One of them is like, is he a hip hop artist? Is that like the one? I that... know. There's like a, there's a, not a president, but there's like a senator guy out there. Yeah. There's a whole lot of them. Okay. Yeah. So you're competing with the senator, hip hop. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Andrew F. Carter. Andrew F. Carter. What's your middle name? Uh, my middle name is Emilio Luis, but then my mom's maiden name is Formby with an F. That's what the F stands Formby? for. Formby? Formby. What is that? Uh, that's her last name. <laughs> <laughs> what is so, that? My name is Andrew Emilio Luis Formby Carter. You know what's hilarious? Uh, if you could describe your church yeah. in one name, it would be that. <laughs> <laughs> because of all the diversity yes. in the names. Cause you, yeah. You got like yeah. the elderly white guy, you yeah. got the Hispanic, you the got the, the Germans. So yeah. funny. Yeah. I love it, man. Well, thank yeah. you so much. Thanks for having me. Amen. Amen.